It never fails. Just, it never fails. I do an Apple Silicon event preview, and then Apple sends out invitations to the event. So I do an analysis of the invitations, and Mark Gurman and Debbie Wu post a bunch of spoilers. Just never fails. But I'm on lockdown. I can keep making these videos all week. I don't even have to read the rumors first. I can just react to them live, right here, right now, right for all of you. So Swanton bomb that subscribe bell, and I'll give you a cookie, an emoji cookie, right in the comments. Let's do this. Now, Mark is still ranked at 88.3% accurate over 377 rumors by the Apple Tracks website, which keeps him comfortably, very comfortably on top of the A tier. And because Debbie Wu shares his byline, she shares the credit. So A tier for her as well. And well, here's what they have to say. Apple and overseas suppliers are ramping up to produce three new MacBooks, the 13-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pro and the 13-inch MacBook Air, which beyond the processor switch, beyond the switch to Apple Silicon, won't have any design changes. Now, before I get into that, Love to Dream, separately, who's currently rated at 88.2% accurate by Apple Track, so also A tier, over 96 rumors, tweeted out 13-inch, then, dramatic pause, 13-inch times two. So yeah, nothing on a 16-inch, at least not from the Love Cat. So doing the MacBook Air, the 13-inch MacBook Air just makes the kind of sense that does, especially if Apple is starting off using similar processors to what they would put in an iPad uh, Air, the A14, or an iPad Pro update, conceivably an A14X. They're just so similar in terms of being an ultralight ultra-thin, ultra-portable computer, and the amount of power that Apple can get out of those, even in an iPad form factor, should mean they just have tons of headroom in the clamshell form factor of the MacBook Air. Stepping up to the MacBook Pro, though, is interesting. You have more room in that chassis, more room for thermals, uh, more room for power, just a lot of things that could take the kind of processor the kind of A14X that would be in an updated iPad Pro and really just let it run. The part about the 16-inch MacBook Pro is especially interesting because if there was any computer that I thought Apple would just let sit on the Intel chips, I mean, they haven't updated them to the 10th generation yet, but the 10th generation really isn't that compelling for a MacBook Pro-style enclosure not much more than the ninth generation were, so negligible benefits to doing that update. It would be better to have more recent AMD chips in there, but you know, getting uh, Navi 2, big Navi into there. But again, you're just moving, moving around the parts inside for some graphics gain, but nothing, nothing revolutionary, nothing like what Apple Silicon promises. But still, a 16-inch MacBook Pro is a huge step up. If you're all in on Apple software, if you just use macOS with Final Cut Pro 10 or Xcode or Logic 10, then they are poised to provide, I think, significant performance. I just anticipate those being the best machines in the world to run Pro-style Apple apps almost like giant afterburner accelerators for everything that you could possibly want to do, dedicated computers built around 
Apple's full integration from the silicon all the way through the OS to the pro apps. But if you are on Adobe's creative cloud, if you're all in on Photoshop or Premiere or After Effects, I really don't know what that means for you for now, besides staying on the older Intel silicon for now, because who knows how long it will take Adobe to get all of those all of those apps ported over. I'm sure they're going to have some token amount of apps uh, to be shown off on stage. And I'm sure Apple is going to do everything possible to make emulation run faster than it has any right to run. But still, that won't be as good of a workflow as an all Apple workflow will be, and probably not for a while still. So I'm really, really as interested as ideal as I think the 13-inch MacBook Air is for Apple Silicon today and how the 13-inch Pro, because it doesn't have discrete graphics at all, um, how interesting that will be just to see what current Apple Silicon-style SOC systems on a chip can do in that sort of machine. I am fascinated by what they can do with a 16-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, if they have the audacity, even in the first generation, to let that run. The lack of new designs does not surprise me at all. Absolutely want a 14-inch MacBook Pro to go along with the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Just Thanos snap those bezels in half, give me as much screen as possible. And I'd love to see them finally, I'm going to use a finally, one of my finally allotments for this, finally see Face ID come to the Mac, which I still think makes even more sense than on the iPad, just because you're looking at it all the time in the same orientation all the time. It just also makes the kind of sense that does to have a stable hardware target for the transition, which is what happened with the PowerPC to Intel transition over a decade ago with Steve Jobs. They announced machines that looked virtually identical to the previous machines. And it wasn't until after they had the transition well and fully behind them that they started iterating and introducing the next generation of designs. It's basically like you just don't want too many moving parts at once because it makes things complicated. It's a much greater risk. There's much more chance for things to go wrong. So if you just leave a design that everybody knows and can build towards and isn't introducing any more chaos into the equation, it will likely be a much more successful transition. Mark and Debbie then say the first Mac processors from Apple will be based on the A14 chip found in the latest iPhones and iPad Air, and that tests inside of Apple show that there is improved power efficiency over the Intel chipsets, and that the new machines will also have Apple-designed graphics and machine learning processors. And that's sort of one of the big keys to Apple doing this whole transition is performance efficiency, because those two things are tied together. The greater the efficiency, the greater the performance, because you can sustain that performance longer uh, and better when you are more efficient. And Intel was just failing at all of that. They weren't able to shrink the process down, which meant they were adding additional cores and using additional power, which just meant that they were running hungrier and hotter. And that's the opposite of what Apple wants in their products, which tend to be very thin, light, constrained chassis, even on the desktop. So that is completely to be expected. The part about Apple design graphics and machine learning processors reads a little bit odd because Apple said clearly, plainly at WWC that they were making a family of SOCs, of systems on a chip, 
for the new Apple Silicon Macs. And systems on a chip is what Apple has been doing since the A4 in the very first iPad and just all the way through the iPad and the iPhone line. But Apple has never done sort of parts-based computing with separate CPUs and separate GPUs. So this also entirely to be expected. It would be shocking if it was anything but Apple-designed graphics and machine learning processors. Apple's been making custom GPUs as well for a couple years now. And and same with the ANE, the Apple Neural Engines. They're up to 16 cores for those in the A14. So yeah, again, I would be shocked if it was anything other than that. What I'm still curious about is will it be a one-for-one processor? And by that, I mean, will there be an ultralight MacBook at some point that just has an A14, exactly the same A14 as an iPad Air, and then a more powerful MacBook, like a pro-style MacBook that has an A14X in it, like we're expecting to have in the next generation iPad Pro, and then, you know, an A14T or whatever the rumors have it for the even more powerful MacBooks and iMacs. And just how closely Apple ties the silicon, because the iPhone and the iPad Air both use the A14, but they hit it differently. The iPhone has much smaller thermal envelope. It's just a much smaller device, but it'll hit the image signal processor much more because people just do, because both Apple and customers just use photography so much more. It has so much more capabilities and they use it so much more often in so many more ways on the iPhone than they ever do on the iPad, but because the iPad is bigger and has that bigger thermal envelope, it can run intensive graphics and other applications just better and for longer uh, and just more comfortably than an iPhone can. So you do have one chipset being used in different ways, but servicing both devices. And when you throw the X model in there, which just has extra CPUs and extra GPUs and probably wider memory bandwidth and more memory and you know everything like that, that's a step up as well. And maybe Apple has built things. Like they've already said they're doing hypervisor acceleration. And maybe even though the iPhone doesn't touch that, that's still built in there and just you know doesn't use it. But wow, does it use it if you need it on the Macs? And probably the same thing for any other task that you just want to be as fast as it can possibly be on Apple Silicon. Or does A14 just refer to the IP generation sort of the, the level of silicon that's in there, and the chips will be more customized. They'll have blocks, silicon blocks on them uh, that don't exist in iPhones or iPads that are unique to Macs to the, that serve the unique demands of the Mac for things like hypervisor and Final Cut and Logic. And you know, like, I, in my mind, I just imagine a mini afterburner in silicon on those devices. But, you know, in that context, will they even be a series or will they just be 14, something 14? And I'm really, really interested, not just for this event, but in the future when we get, you know, desktop Macs, what that story will be. And Mark and Debbie go on to say that Apple is already at work on a redesigned iMac, the all-in-one and a new Mac Pro model, which is the high end of the desktop models and that Apple engineers are developing a new Mac Pro that looks like the current design, but is about half the size. And it's unclear to them at least that whether or not that would replace the Intel Mac Pro or if it's in addition to the Intel Mac Pro, because the Intel Mac Pro was built in part to that size so that it could fit in a bunch of extra cards, everything from big you know, AMD GPUs to big RAID driver arrays. 
And that's sort of what I was referring to earlier. Uh, you know, will the new iMac come just with an Apple Silicon swap out or will we get that new redesign that's been rumored for a while? The one that is much thinner and square like the current Apple design language seen on the iPad Pro and on the iPhone 12, which I think a lot of people have been just thirsting for for years. And then what does that look like? Because obviously Apple's A14 generation SOC, systems on a chip, won't take up as much space as an Intel Core i9 or a big Navi Radeon graphics cards, you know, with all the fans and everything. So what can Apple actually do and what performance can they get out of it? The Mac Pro thing does sound odd because Apple just literally just last year put out that casing design, working with their Pro Workflows team to make sure it sort of served the needs of frontline professionals, creative pros, and other kinds of sort of high order bit pros who need, I mean, not CUDA cores, obviously no Ampere for you, but sort of all the other things that they need and would just removing the Intel Xeon processors and the AMD uh, graphics cards, does that get rid of half the space? And what does Apple put in that place? Do they keep the SOC systems on a chip model or do they get into Apple discrete GPUs so that you can swap them out more easily or have a range of different power profiles depending on what you need. Sort of the Apple version of uh, a 3070, 3080, 3090, uh, so to speak, or just the pro level, the biggest level graphics cards possible. And is being smaller just more convenient for those pros or is being smaller just a huge hassle? So we're talking about next year at the earliest for these, but again, I have just so many questions. So. All of that being said, I'm only going into this particular Apple Silicon event expecting the two 13-inch MacBooks, the Air and Pro, maybe the 16-inch because I'd rather be surprised than disappointed. And I will just consider everything else, anything else, an extra, a bonus. Because in 2020, extras and bonuses is just what all of us need. And that's why Georgia Dow and I are putting extra bonus topics in the Nebula version of each and every one of our podcast episodes of Apple Talk. Nebula is the streaming platform I'm building along with my education my thoughtful creator friends like Tirzu, Ali Abdal, Mariana, TJ1, and just so, so many more. It's a place where none of us have to worry about demonetization or the tyranny of click-through rates, watch times, or algorithms, or ads. You can find all of my videos there completely ad-free, including the new Apple Talk podcast with Georgia Dow and with those extra bonus topics only on Nebula. And yeah, what does all this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, as the go-to source for the absolute best documentaries on the internet, they just love educational content and thoughtful creators. And so we worked out this deal where if you sign up for CuriosityStream using the link in the description, not only will you get CuriosityStream, but you'll also get Nebula, a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is 26% off all of their annual plans. And 26% off is, by contract, the absolute best deal you'll find anywhere. So click the link in the description and get both CuriosityStream and Nebula for 26% off or go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and just educational content in general directly for just $14.79 per year, per year. 
click on the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. And clicking on that link just really helps out this channel. For a ton more on everything Apple's announcing this fall at this event and beyond, click the playlist above. I've got previews, reviews, unboxings, hands-on, much, much more to come. So click the playlist and I'll see you next video.